Christmas is coming. And in this episode, we hear how people in Plano celebrate. From the solemn midnight mass on Christmas Eve. Early Christians would, uh, would gather and hold vigil in some of the sacred spaces in Bethlehem and in certain of the, the holy sites. To a shop in downtown Plano that attracts folks looking for traditional treats from the old country. I often say we sell memories here. It might be a certain food, something that triggers a memory. To a huge holiday extravaganza that brings thousands to see a spectacular recreation of the Christmas story. It's become a bit of a destination for people to come to and see because there's really nothing like it in the country. That's next in this special holiday edition of Plano Podcast. Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm your host, Tammy Hooker. And I'm producer Mary Jacobs. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside of Plano and just outside of what you might expect. We begin our holiday tour of Plano in a cozy little shop in downtown Plano. My name is Gwen Welk Workman. I am the owner and the beginning of the Wooden Spoon, which is a Scandinavian shop, also a cultural center. Originally, the Wooden Spoon started as a shop offering gifts from Scandinavia. Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and Iceland but soon evolved into a kind of de facto community center for North Texans of Scandinavian descent. The Sons of Norway meet at the shop, as does the Finnish-American society. You can take lessons in Swedish there, too. During the holiday season, shoppers come to the Wooden Spoon to find their favorite Christmas treats from back home. Of course, the big one is lutefisk. It's one of those, it's a processed codfish and either you like it or you don't like it and it was funny one time a woman came in she said do you have lutefisk i said yes we do. oh i hate it she said i absolutely hate it. where is the lutefisk i have to have it she said because that's tradition so many of them i, I sell an awful lot of lutefisk every year gwen who is of norwegian descent herself says there's a sizable community of finnish danish Swedish, and Norwegian people in North Texas. Some work at big companies like Nokia and Ericsson, but there are also many smaller Scandinavian companies. And Scandinavians love Christmas. And they celebrate um, by dancing around the Christmas tree. Food is a very big important part. And years ago, um, when people were very poor, they may not eat meat all year long. They would save that pig for Christmas. So the Norwegians would eat what they call penichet and ribba. One is a dried leg of lamb, and the other one is, um, we would call it side pork, but they call it ribba. And so there's certain dishes, and there's the rice pudding, and they put one almond in the rice pudding. If you get that almond, you win a marzipan pig, which is candy. Um, then, of course, on the 12th day after Christmas, there's the Swedes celebrate the throwing out of the Christmas tree, and that's a big celebration. And they literally open the window and throw the tree out. The Wooden Spoon hosts some special Scandinavian traditions, including a Lucia procession, a favorite celebration in Sweden. It was absolutely beautiful. I think we had 22 children 
So we had the Lucia, we had the girls all dressed in white with their candles. We had a little gal that was dressed like Santa Claus, and we had three peppercock boys that were absolutely adorable. So they did the procession here. In Sweden, on December 13th, Lucia Day, a young girl in the family wears a halo of candles and a white dress and delivers a plate of pastry to her parents. It's based on an old legend. Well, the story of Lucia goes back. It's actually an, an Italian custom. There's many legends to it. And I composed one of the legends of Lucia. And this is when Christianity was first coming into, uh, into Sweden. And Lucia was engaged to be married, so she had a very nice dowry. But her mother was very sick and was bleeding. So she prayed to God that if he would heal her mother, she would sell her dowry and feed the poor. Well, her mother was healed, so she kept her bargain. Her fiancé was not very happy with her, but she sold her dowry and began to feed the, the poor. Now, the poor, they lived in caves. So now how in the world was she going to feed them? How was she going to see? So she put candles in her hair, and that formed the light so that she go, could go into those caves and feed the poor. Lucia will have a crown of lights. Then she'll be trailed with a whole group of young girls, all dressed in white, with um, carrying a candle, and they'll usually have a silver crown on. And then they add the peppercock boy, and they add the star boy. It just depends on who puts this together and how many children they have to draw from. And after the procession, there are special traditional treats. They have peppercock, which is the ginger cookie. They have glug, which is a warmed mold, like, like a mold wine. And then they have saffron bun. And they are made, they're twisted, and they each have a, in each half they have a raisin. And the saffron is to remind you of the bitterness of those people that Lucia served. Gwen tells us that Scandinavians can't celebrate Christmas without cookies. Lots of cookies. And the wooden spoon honors that with a cookie party. Many years ago, probably for at least 35 plus years, Stella Olson had a cookie party. And she would invite people. She did all the work. Stella was uh, of Norwegian descent from, I believe, North Dakota. She had done an awful lot for the Norwegian community. Toward the end of her life, Stella was no longer able to host the cookie party. So Gwen and the wooden spoon picked up the tradition. So for the next probably 10 years, Stella had her cookie party here. And then Stella became very frail. So her very last cookie party she had, she made over a hundred treats. So then I took it over. I said, Stella, we're always going to have a Stella Olson cookie party. I make seven kinds because that's what a Norwegian woman does. You bring a tray of sugar treats. It can be cookies, can be candy. It does not have to be Scandinavian, but it has to be filled with sugar. So it's a day of sugar and fellowship. There's no charge. Scandinavians love cookies, and, and we use any excuse to make cookies. So this is just our way of showing the rest of the world what we can do with cookies. And it's incredible. It's absolutely the most wonderful day of the year. Christmas season is the time for festivities and gifts and treats. But for many Roman Catholic families, 
Christmas Eve would not be complete without Midnight Mass. We found someone who could tell us about this quieter side of Christmas. My name is Sammy Argumanis, and I am the Director of Campus Ministry and Catholic Identity at John Paul II High School. There is a a bit of a tradition to Midnight Mass, at least as far as the way the way worship is conducted. I do think you you may you may find more of a traditional feel. So, you know, if we we call it the smells and bells, right? So so you may you may have a you know a, a little more incense. You may have more more candles lit. Certainly, it'll you know it's taking place in the context of of Christmas Eve, and so the the full you know Christmas decoration and the and the great magic of, of all the, you know, the, the lit things and the wreaths and everything will, will be present. And, you know, and there may be a, a slightly more traditional bent on, on the music choices. There may be more, more chant. There may be a little more Latin that, that's spoken. And so it really does. You know, may, maybe it's being a little late, so everyone's a little sleepy-eyed. But there's also, um, it really does carry a very solemn and sacred tone to it. Traditionally, the season of Advent was a period of waiting and anticipation culminating in a Christmas Eve vigil to await the arrival of the Christ child. And the celebration really didn't begin until after Christmas morning. There's a thread, a long-standing kind of tradition of, of, of worship, especially when it comes to, to Christmas. And so you can really even, you can go back, um, you know, hundreds of years, if you want to go back to, to maybe the third century, the fourth century, um, where even in the Holy Land, uh, early Christians would uh, would gather and hold and hold vi- vigil in some of the sacred spaces, like uh, like in Bethlehem and in certain of the the holy sites, and they would they would hold it as as solemn and sacred. There's something that's that's you know it's special about the you know about kind of the Christmas Eve mass for all the children, and sometimes children get dressed up, but but there is something very special about the late night moment, and it, it kind of feels like like you're like you're really there with with um, you know participating in the birth of Jesus and and you know you're really present for the nativity in that in that midnight time. In many Catholic families the stereotype or the generalization is that they would go to like the Christmas Eve mass because oftentimes that's um that's the time where um you know if there are more just more things that I think would catch the eye of, of like young children. Oftentimes there's there's like a living nativity and so you know, you'll have children dressed up and you'll you know you'll have a little bit of that extra fanfare during Christmas Eve. For Latino Roman Catholics, there's another special tradition called Las Posadas. Las Posadas uh, is is a Spanish word for 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 inns for for ho- hotels. It's a part of a of a nine day kind of devotion and gathering and celebration because Catholics love doing like novena and, and nine day devotionals and kind of prayer practices. Um, but this is one of them and it takes place uh, within the nine days leading up to Christmas Eve. In a lot of ways, it's a reenactment of, uh, of the story of Mary and Joseph searching for a place to, to stay, searching for, for room in an inn um, for Mary to, to give birth. And so um, Generally, what happens is a, a group of, of families will get together and it will be decided who, who will host um, a gathering each night. Sometimes they'll have a, a statue or something that represents Mary and Joseph, but other times you'll have someone who will play the part. So they'll dress up and uh, they'll dress up as Mary and Joseph and a, um, and a group will process with them. So they'll, they'll have a starting point. A group will, will, will gather with them and sometimes it's by candlelight and and they'll process to the to the front of the house, and they'll knock on the door. And sometimes songs will be sung, and and there's there's kind of this exchange where where uh, at, at the beginning, um, the the home that's that's playing, um, you know, hosts to everyone 
like they'll they'll initially you know deny them and then maybe there'll be a song sung and there'll be some you know there may be some some readings that are read and then eventually they they welcome everyone into the home and and um, usually there's there's food provided and there's you know much merriment to be had you know it, it's a really beautiful thing it, it's one of those practices where where it, it feels like um, it's more than kind of a prayer or devotion it, it's those things but then it's also a way to um, to be brought I think more presently into the reality of uh, of the season so it's one thing I think to to read you know the scripture and to reflect on on the journey of Mary and Joseph leading up to Christmas um, but this is a way in which uh, a lot of people you know physically kind of journey with them in that of course, not everyone in Plano will celebrate Christmas. Members of the Jewish community celebrate Hanukkah, the eight-night festival of lights. This year, Hanukkah starts at sundown on December 22nd and ends at sundown on December 30th. Many of our South Asian friends celebrated Diwali, the Hindu festival of lights. Although it sometimes coincides with the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, this year, Diwali took place in late October. Some South Asian families light up their houses early for Diwali, then leave the lights up for the Christmas season. You can hear more about Diwali in our Diwali episode. Are you enjoying this episode of Plano Podcast? If so, you can join our growing list of patrons. Visit planopodcast.com and click on the support tab for more information. Now, back to the show. From the quieter traditions of the holiday season, now we take you to one that's so big and so spectacular that it brings thousands of people from around the United States to Plano just to see it. I'm Michael Neal. I am the lead worship pastor here at Prestonwood Baptist Church. I'm also the executive director of our Christmas show, The Gift of Christmas. It's our way to tell the Christmas story uh, in a fresh, powerful way, a theatrical way, but it's called The Gift of Christmas. For decades and decades and centuries, actually, people have been telling the story, the greatest story ever told. It's inspired by that. It's not really... The show itself takes a lot of different elements from Broadway and, and we, you know, in terms of the genre, as well as modern storytelling, interactive film. Uh, we obviously use uh, live animals and all kinds of things as well. So it's a very multidimensional, multi-sensory experience. Prestonwood Baptist Church has been staging this extraordinary production for decades. And it gets bigger and better every year. Almost 67,000 people are expected to attend the 13 presentations of this 90-minute program at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano. People come from all over the country and actually uh, probably out of the country as well. Um, I, I couldn't even, uh, we, we've had people from as far as California up as New York, and I've, I've gotten emails from people coming in from Florida and, of course, all the states that surround Texas and all over the state of Texas. There are buses of people that come in from Oklahoma and other parts of, uh, of the Midwest, and so uh, it's, it's become a bit of a destination for people to come to and see because there's really nothing like it in the country. Our ticket sales, we just keep setting record paces every single year. We've, for the last several years that I've been here, we've been selling out all 13 shows. Uh, this year, the first weekend alone, I think within 24 to 48 hours, 35, 40,000 tickets had gone out the door. So it's, it's pretty extraordinary. There's so many people involved 
at every level from production to volunteering to uh, traffic and parking to security and just a few numbers. I mean, we have well over 1,600 volunteers that participate in this event. We asked Michael to give us some of the numbers. 1,600 costumes, 15,000 pieces of costumes, uh, 368 adult choir members, 345 specialty part uh, He has a lot of numbers. Participants, 218 students, 370 children, 85 ushers, 12 parking lot attendants, 13 greeters, three medical personnel, six welcome booth greeters, 75 child and care workers. And they were pretty impressive. members. 34 hair and makeup workers, 27 costume workers, 22 backstage workers, 14 spotlight operators, 10 ticket volunteers, 7 baby Jesuses, and a partridge in a pear tree. The program includes a live nativity, and that means animals. We have uh, quite a few animals that come and join us for the event, and it's always a big highlight. There's nothing like seeing, you know, the camels and the zebras and the llamas and the sheep and everybody, you know, coming into a, a, a modern worship space. Did he say zebras? That's right. Zebras. These zebras uh, are, are just a part of a, a parade of, of extravagance. It's a lot of creative license. Tickets range from $19 to $59. But you'll need to hurry. Many of the shows are already sold out. The best way to interact and get tickets is the Gift of Christmas app. We have a digital app that they can go and they can see behind the scenes stuff and all kinds of fun facts and they can uh, get pictures and everything. And we, we, can, we sell our tickets right through that app. Um, and then, uh, of course, they can get them at the kiosks here at Prestonwood at the church. Uh, on the weekends during our service times, we have that open. And, uh, but the best way is to just go right to the app. Most of the people who staff the show are volunteers more than 1,600, as Michael mentioned, and many come back year after year. Why? Well, for them, it's more than just a really big show. Uh, We believe that uh, Jesus is the hope of the world. The idea that this infant baby divided history in two, and his birth um, is is the, the meaning of Christmas. He's called Emmanuel, God with us, and so Jesus... The story of that is why we do what we do. Thank you, Michael, Gwen, Sammy, and every Plano citizen who helps make the holiday season so special in Plano. I'm Michael Neal from Prestonwood, and Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Gwen, and I wish you a very Merry Christmas, a good Yule, and a very Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad from our community to yours. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast, Tales of Curiosity and Character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to support us on Patreon and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback, ideas, and comments our way. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.